hey there, so good to have you with us today. We're kicking off a new series today entitled Good Fruit. We're going to be taking a look at the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles with you, please turn in your Bibles there, Galatians chapter 5. And more specifically, we're going to look at the role of the Holy Spirit in producing fruit in our lives. Uh, I don't know about you, but we love fruit in our house. It's one of our favorite types of food to eat. Um, you know, especially as we come into summer, it's great on a hot summer day to enjoy a, a great, just juicy piece of fruit, something that's cold you can bite your teeth into. There's that incredible sweetness and uh, just fruit is so great. Um, in fact, some of the favorites for us, there's the classics, right? We've got apples and oranges and grapefruit and lemons and grapes and bananas. In fact, grapes, frozen grape grapes are one of my favorite things to eat on road trips. And then we have like our, our atypical fruits or non-typical fruits. Uh, I especially love tropical fruit. Uh, I love papaya, love passion fruit, love mangoes and pineapple and guava. Uh, just so, so good. A good fruit salad. So, so nice to enjoy. In fact, I'm going to ask you this. So you can respond in the comment section. Your favorite fruit. What is your favorite fruit? Ready? Go for it. Pop that in right in the chat. And let's share our favorites. Uh, and then maybe we can share those together sometime. You know, fruit in the right season and in the right condition uh, is produced in abundance. Uh, and and when we talk about fruit, and not just really even talking about actual fruits, we're talking about anything that we would be produced on a vine or on a tree uh, or on a bush, that, that the plants that produce fruit uh, in the right conditions will pr produce in abundance. Uh, in fact, when I was a kid, I lived in a place where uh, we had a number of mango trees uh, around the property where we lived. And the conditions were so perfect that those mango trees produced more mangoes than we could eat. And those mangoes would end up falling to the ground and would just rot. The birds would come eat them and they would just decay right where they fell. There was just thousands of them, so many, which now when I go to a grocery store and I see the price of mangoes, you know, there's a little tear in my eye. I get a little sad when I remember the abundance of mangoes that were available. But the, the plant, uh, whether it's a tree, a vine, uh, it doesn't matter, in the right conditions will produce an abundance of fruit. And, and any plant-bearing tree uh, or plant or vine will there, there's a number of things that go into producing the fruit, multiple components and processes that work together. So you're like, okay, it's a bit of a science lesson today, and we're not going to get into so much of the nitty gritty, but just to understand a little bit about the analogy that, that the Apostle Paul is using here in Galatians, and really is a, a picture that's used throughout Scripture, this idea of fruitfulness, and we'll touch on that in a second. In the case of, you know, let's say grapes or, or an apple, we understand that there's a seed that is planted that results in a plant growing or a tree growing, and that could take uh, months or it could take years. Some, some trees will take years and years to grow. Peach trees, for instance, will not produce fruit, uh, you know, until they've matured beyond the five and six year mark. And so there's a, a series, of, there's a, 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 there's a lot of time that will pass before 
that tree will actually produce fruit. So there's a seed that's planted in the, the ground, and the conditions have to be right for that seed to germinate, to grow, for the roots to take root, for the tree to, to, to take shape, uh, and, be, and get to a place where it's ready to support fruit bearing. And, and the, the limbs are strong enough and the trunk is strong enough. There has to be the right soil conditions. The right, there has to be the right amount of sun. There has to be the right amount of water, the same, the, the right amount of nutrients in the soil. And at some point, that plant will be ready to produce the right fruit. Now, in the case of uh, tomatoes, you know this if you've grown tomatoes in your garden, that tomatoes will grow very quickly. That tomato plant will grow up, and, and within a, a few weeks, you'll start seeing fruit produced. And so different kinds of fruit, different kinds of plants, but the, the principle remains the same that that plant has to grow and it has to get to a place with the right components, the right conditions to be able to produce the fruit that it was designed to produce. At the right time, flowers will, will blossom and bloom on that plant. And, uh, and of course, we understand that then bees will come and they will, uh, in most cases, bees will, will pollinate that flower, and they'll do their job as they fly from, from flower to flower, ca carrying that pollen, and they will pollinate that flower, and that flower then turns into the beginnings of that fruit that will grow on that tree, and, and then ultimately ripen and come to a place um, where we can enjoy it. There's also, as the tree is growing and as the fruit is growing, there's defensive mechanisms that come into play that, that ward off anything that we'd want to attack or destroy the fruit. So, so the whole point here is this. There's a lot going on. When, when we go to the store and we buy a grapefruit or we buy an apple, we recognize that not just the process of getting to the store, but the whole growing process is, is fairly involved. And the crazy thing about it is this, is that the fruit has had little to do with it. The fruit just kind of happens. The fruit is the product of all of these other things taking place. It is the result. And so as we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, it's important to remember that. That as Paul says that we need to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, what he's saying is that the fruit are the result of other things that are going on, the things that are happening behind the scenes. And so let's read together. We're going to look at Galatians 5, starting in verse 16 and then going through verse 25. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, he says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step by the Spirit. 
Paul paints this picture. He helps us to understand that there are these two things going on. He's addressing essentially in the church uh, in Galatia some issues that have come up, some things that he's got wind of that need to be addressed. And, and when you read the whole book of uh, Galatians, you understand that there's things that he writes as a point of encouragement, and there's things that he writes as a point of correction. And, and here he's reminding them that there is this tension that exists in the life of the believer and that our lives will produce some kind of fruit, either good fruit or bad fruit. But his big statement here is, live according to the Spirit, walk by the Spirit. See, Paul's not just addressing a behavior issue. He's not just writing to them to say, hey, you guys just need to be more loving. You need to be more patient. You need to be more joyful. In fact, that's not at all what he does. What, what he says here is that love, joy, p- peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control are the result of walking in the Spirit. So he's not addressing a behavior is- issue, which would it, it would be easy for us to jump to that conclusion in reading this passage. See, he's not just saying, be loving, be patient, be joyful. He, he, in essence, he's not saying, do better. I think that's a big thing right now. People will, will make a comment on, online on social media and then they'll say, do better. And, and I think it's just so, it's just so open then. It can be so vague. Paul doesn't say to them, well, just do better. Try harder. Or at least this, hey, the good in your life should outweigh the bad. The scorecard should be more weighted in the, in the side of, of good. If, if, as long as you're doing more good and producing more good fruit in your life, you're okay. Now, he, he draws a clear contrast between the two because you see, to just try and have more good fruit than bad fruit is not abundant living. It's not healthy living. In fact, a farmer who had a tree that was only producing 50% or 51% good fruit would probably get rid of that tree. It would mean that there's something deeply wrong within the process of growing fruit on that tree and would remove that tree for it and, and replace it with a tree that would produce a healthy and good harvest. And so the goal isn't just behavior modification here. What Paul's not addressing is saying, hey, just do better or try harder, or hey, as long as you get the ratio of good to bad right, you're okay. No, he's 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 painting a picture of two contrasting kingdoms two contrasting worlds two two different ways of living our lives and he's saying to the galatian church and to us that those who who have been saved by jesus that we now live according to the spirit and that the spirit-led life is one that produces good fruit. And the contrast that he brings is this. He says that life according to the flesh produces a certain kind of fruit, and life according to the spirit produces a different, another kind of fruit, the good versus the bad. And that we as followers of Jesus, as ones who have been redeemed, are called to produce good fruit. All of it, not some of it. And we talk about the, the gifts of the Spirit, uh, and sometimes people will confuse the gift of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. And the gifts are given for the purpose of ministry and the edification of the church. Uh, and not all people have all of the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives as He determines. But when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, we're called to produce all the fruit. That we're called, all of us, to be 
loving and filled with joy and to be peaceful and to be patient and kind and good and 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 all of these things self-control that, that that this is these are all things that all of us should exhibit as followers of Jesus see fruitfulness is an analogy that's used throughout scripture all throughout the old testament and the new testament that that God uses this picture of fruitfulness or fruit bearing as an analogy to a life that is aligned with him and his kingdom and so it's not just a new testament idea uh, genesis we see adam and eve in the garden and there is fruitfulness in the garden that part of god's handiwork is that there would be fruit produced and that fruit would be enjoyed by those who are around to receive it we see in exodus and the description of the promised land that it was a fruitful land it was flowing with milk and honey which interesting the presence of milk and honey means that there were cattle and there were bees and and the bee part of that is so so incredibly important because we realize in 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 studying and in doing science and uh, and looking at the way plant life thrives that bees are essential to fruit being produced and so the the mention of honey is not just because of the honey it's this pointing to the presence of bees which means that the land was good for crops and producing crops in Leviticus and Deuteronomy the promise of blessing and abundance that comes the fruitfulness of obedience where God says if you do these things if you obey and if you walk in my ways that I will bless you and there will be a fruitfulness to your lives and a fruitfulness even to the land we see it in the Psalms and the Proverbs in relation to worship and wisdom that those who who worship God will produce a, a, a harvest of righteousness that those who walk in wisdom will produce good fruit in their lives we see it in all of the prophets all of the prophets talk about fruitfulness in relation to righteousness that righteousness and fruitfulness go hand in hand Jesus of course talked about fruitfulness a lot the things that were being produced in our lives and the the things that he called out in in the people that that weren't present that needed to be there he talked about fruitfulness a lot he talked about vineyards and he talked about sowing seeds and he talked about branches and and trees producing fruit and we'll even look at one of those passages today and then of course we have Paul and James and John and, and the other the other apostles and those passages that we have in the New Testament so my point here is this fruitfulness is an ongoing theme throughout scripture and it's tied to godly living living righteously living according to God's ways in his kingdom and so because of how how we see that fruitfulness addressed throughout scripture we have to remember we have to understand that it applies to us today that fruitfulness in our lives today continues to be an important thing because we see it as a major theme in scripture in fact major themes we see in scripture are major themes that need to be a part of our lives today and that's part of why we're even taking a look at this passage and working through uh, this theme so here's the thing no matter what we will produce fruit you will produce an, a fruit and i will produce fruit in my life and sometimes that fruit will be good and sometimes that fruit will be bad uh, we're always producing something uh, that, that we're never at a place where we're just stagnant and nothing's happening that that the fruit of our lives is either good 
or it's bad. It's either spirit born or it's born of the flesh. Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 6, verse 43 through 45. He says, for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasures, uh, evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Jesus addresses the heart. He talks about the abundance of the heart. And he, he says here really, really clearly, and, and we understand this, but I love how Jesus makes these things so clear and, and paints such a clear picture for us. He says that a good tree will not produce bad fruit, and a bad tree will not produce good fruit, that grapes don't come from thorn bushes. Uh, a simple analogy, but the point is so clear, that what's in our hearts, what's happening on the inside of us, that the roots of our lives will produce the fruit seen in public, that what's happening in secret, what's happening below the surface, below the ground, the conditions of the soil, the conditions of, of our heart will produce an abundance out of our mouths. In fact, what, what's happening inside will always be reflected on what is happening outside. See, it's a root issue. It's an absolute root issue. So going back to what Paul writes in Galatians 5, uh, it's not a case of just saying, hey, don't do the bad. Don't do the bad. Just don't do those things. Paul, Paul lists them out. He says that, uh, that, that the fruit that's produced as a result of the flesh, the things that are, that are a result of, of living according to the flesh are sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And he says, don't do these things, right? But it's not just don't do it. There's more. By the way, it's not a comprehensive list. He says that, I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's a huge warning here that those who live that way are, are revealing which kingdom they are a part of. And the, the reality is we're either a part of the kingdom of God or we're not. And we can't live in both places. And, and Paul's saying to us, well, we need to walk in step with the Spirit. But it's not just don't do these things. That not Just trying harder not to do the things on that list or things not even listed on that list is not just simply the goal. In the same way, they're just doing the good where we would say, you know what, I just need to be more loving. I just need to be more joyful. I, I, you know, I've just got to bring peace and be patient and kind and, and good and all of those that he lists out. And even there, that list, by the way, is not comprehensive. There's other fruits of the Spirit that need to pre be produced in our lives. See, it's not just about don't do those things and do these things. See, because we can't force the fruit. We can't force the fruit. If we're that easy, the world would look a whole lot better than it does. If it were, easy, it were that easy just to say, I'm going to try harder and just do the right thing, 
the world would look better. Because I, I think most people would say they want to be more loving and kind and gentle and patient. And maybe even this week, you struggled with being loving and kind or patient. Maybe there's been things that have happened in your life this week where you would say, yeah, I already blew it. And, and the goal of today's message, by the way, is not to bring condemnation. This is a message of hope because we're going to talk about and we'll spend some time talking about the conditions that produce fruit. And so we all stumble. We all struggle. There's all places where, where we'll have issues, where we'll produce things, where we'll say, you know what, I wasn't loving or kind or patient, where I lacked self-control, that those things happen in our lives. But it's not about performance. It's not about us just going, I've just got to do better and try harder. In fact, Paul gives us a whole nother picture. See, it's a deeper issue. It's a deeper issue. And as I said before, it's a heart issue. It's a root issue. See, Paul says that we need to walk by the Spirit. We need to walk in step with the Holy Spirit of God. That he, in fact, he says there, he says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. I love that, that statement. He says, uh, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. A clear instru instruction. In fact, this is a key to this whole passage, that if we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. See, there's this tension that the flesh and the spirit are in tension. They're contrary to each other. What the flesh wants is in contrary to what the spirit wants. And what the spirit wants is contrary to what the flesh wants. And so what it comes down to is this, is us recognizing that we have to deny the flesh and live according to the spirit, that we have to invite the Holy Spirit into that. Now that's different to just us trying harder. See, because if I do it in my own strength, I'm guaranteed to fail. If you do it in your own strength, it's not going to work. And maybe you've experienced that in your life. Maybe you've experienced that in your walk with the Lord, that you've tried and tried and tried, and, and you just don't seem to be getting better or making progress in certain areas of your life. And as we kind of move into the, the final portions of this message today, that's really what I want to speak to. You see, I want to I unpack this analogy, this picture of a fruitful tree where I said that the right conditions will produce good fruit. A tree in the right conditions will produce fruit. An apple tree will produce good apples when it is in the right conditions. An orange tree will produce good fruit, good oranges, when it is living and rooted in the right conditions. So the question for us as followers of Jesus is this, what are the right conditions? What are the right conditions for love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control and, and, and the other fruit that would come with living according to the Spirit? What are the right conditions? What needs to be present in our lives? And that's the focus. That's what we're going to look at over these next few weeks. We might take a couple of breaks in between, but I want to spend a good amount of time exploring this topic, exploring this theme throughout this series. By far, though, the most important thing is the thing that we've already talked about today that I've already mentioned, and it's this, is walking in step with the Spirit, because it's the first step. 
See, before Jesus, before he took our sin upon the cross, before he gave his life for us and opened the door to salvation, all we had was our own, our own strength. But when we say yes to him, when we give our lives to Jesus, that we now are, uh, we come into a relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and Jesus gives his Holy Spirit to walk with us. And we now have the opportunity to walk in lockstep with him. See, here's the thing, church, that the Holy Spirit wants to lead you into fruitfulness. This is not about you being fruitful so that God will be pleased with you. This is about God knowing that you can't do it in your own strength and him saying to you, I want to walk with you. My spirit will guide you into fruitfulness in your life. See, we get stuck in our thinking. How about you? I don't know about you, but I get stuck in my thinking. I get stuck in my expectations. I get stuck in my traditions. I get stuck in my pain, and I'm sure you do as well. There are things that that just be, are, are part of who I am, and I can kind of go back to like a default setting. Right? Even in my understanding of Scripture and, and what passages mean, and I can go, I know what that means. I've, I've read about the fruit of the Spirit. I know all about that. I memorized it when I was in Sunday school, and, and I can get stuck there because I don't press into the deeper things of the Lord. But what if, what if, what if we were to read the Bible, especially the New Testament, where we have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? What if we were to read these passages in the New Testament without having read it before? Try to put yourself in that place where you were to read the New Testament having never read it before. No preconceived ideas or notions, no books that you'd read or commentaries or other books or Bible studies or sermons. What if you were reading it for the first time and you read all the way from Matthew through Revelation and you read the story of Jesus and the, and the disciples and the early church and the explosive growth of the church and the epistles and the those letters that are of encouragement that are read, read to the church. What, what if you read through that lens? I guarantee you that you would come away recognizing the central and essential role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. That you would recognize that the theme of the, of the New Testament, that, that this thread that is woven throughout is this. Jesus talks about the power of the Holy Spirit, that he will send the one who will comfort us, that will teach us, that will remind us, that will guide us. In Acts, we see the, the power of the Spirit being poured out. We see people, common, ordinary people's lives transformed and then ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit. We see people who before hated God and hated Christians now... Uh, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Paul himself is one of those. We see people raised from the dead. We see people's relationships healed. We see sicknesses healed and diseases healed. All kinds of freedom that is brought to people through the power of the Holy Spirit. If we were to read the New Testament with a fresh eye, with fresh lens, we would recognize, we would not be able to help but come to the conclusion that this life for Jesus cannot be lived apart from the Holy Spirit. We would expect a great deal from the Holy Spirit. All of us would. Yet I, I know in my life that I buy into the lie that I can do it on my own, that it's my job to produce fruit, that it's my job to, to, to do good things and not do bad things, that I buy into this performance role, this this 
man, I've just got to do it. I just have to do it in my own strength. And I forget that there's a comforter. There's one who teaches, who corrects, who empowers, who heals, who directs, who delivers and transforms and strengthens, that the Holy Spirit's role in my life and in yours is to do all of those things. See, I would walk with a a level of expectation that he would teach me and that he would correct me and that he would comfort me and empower me and heal me and direct me and deliver me and transform me and strengthen me every day of my life. As I read about those who've gone before, I could not help but expect that because that's who he is. See, the lie of the enemy, the lie of Satan is do it in your own strength. In fact, that's the same lie he told to Adam and Eve. Take the fruit and eat it. And by the way, look at how he twisted that picture of the fruit. That there was, he took something that was supposed to be life-giving and he, he, he wove a lie into it saying, this will benefit you. Your eyes will be opened. Do it in your own strength and you will be like God. And misses the whole point all along that God says, you already have all of me. I want you to walk in step with me. See, the lie of the enemy is, do it, take control. You produce the fruit. You do better. You make sure that you're producing these things. And then when we fail, that he's ready to bring shame and guilt and condemnation. But the Holy Spirit walks with us as one who is tender. He is one that reminds us of truth. He reminds us of our identity and who we are. See, I'm not called to to be the fruit producer. I'm called to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. I'm supposed to, and and all of us are to reject a performance mindset that says, I do these things so that God will be pleased with me. Rather, we say, I want to walk with the Lord. I want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit because I've been invited into this incredible relationship where this free gift has been given. And it's a gift to bless me and to build me up to build us up as the body of Christ. See, Paul writes to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 3.17, and he says, now where the Spirit, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Lord is Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Say that with me. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom that when the Spirit of God is present in, your, present in your life, that he brings freedom. He doesn't bring condemnation. Paul says in Galatians 5, he says that, 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 that there is no law against love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. What he's saying is that there is a freedom to live in those things, to see those fruits produced in our life. See, where the Spirit of the Lord is, is the right conditions. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, is the right condition. It is the right condition for producing fruit in our lives. So that's why Paul says, walk in step with the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify. See, the focus is not on not doing bad things. The focus is on being tied to the one who loves us to the one who cares about us, the one who wants to empower us and heal and strengthen our lives. And so we need to say, Lord, I want to have your presence. Holy Spirit, I want to invite you into my life daily, being daily aware of his presence, relying on him in every circumstance, every circumstance that you can go to him 
all the time, that you can walk with an awareness of who he is. You see, walking with the Spirit is not figurative. It's not figurative. This is a literal walking in step with the Spirit. What do I mean? Well, the Holy Spirit is a person, not a concept. The Holy Spirit is a person. And he walks with you throughout your day. There is nowhere you go, nothing you do, where the Spirit of God is not with you. So every step that you take, he is there with you. He is there with you. And so some, walking with the Spirit is something we do, not something we contemplate. It's not something that you just do in the morning for a few minutes or at night before you go to bed for a few minutes. That we would practice the presence of God, that we would be aware of the Spirit's presence in our lives, and that every step that I would take throughout my day, everything that I would do, that I would remember that God's presence is with me, that He is there, that the Holy Spirit is there to walk with me. And see, the temptation is to do it in our own strength, to produce fruit in our own strength. See, Zechariah 4.6, the prophet Zechariah Uh, when dealing with uh, Zerubbabel, who was building a temple for the Lord, uh, gets this word from from God. God says to Zechariah, so he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord God Almighty. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord God Almighty. I was reminded as I was studying for this message that Jesus would later on say that we are the temple, that you and I, as followers of Christ, as ones who have surrendered our lives to him, that we are the temple. Paul talks about this as well, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so what we try to do is we try to build the temple with our own hands, in our own power, in the same way that Zerubbabel said, I will do this thing. And God comes to Zechariah and says, no, remind him that it's not his strength, but it's by my might. It's by my spirit, rather. It's not by any person's might nor by their power, but it's by his spirit. It's the spirit of God that builds, that brings fruitfulness in our lives. That's his desire for you that he would bring fruitfulness in your life, not as a result of your might or your power, but as a result of the power of his spirit, a pow- the, the, the result of the power of his presence in your life. It is by his spirit. You see, church, the Holy Spirit wants to take over fruit production in your life. He wants to take over fruit production in your life. You see, his presence, his love, his grace, his power, his gifts, his discernment, and his relationship will always lead to good fruit, will always lead to good fruit. As we would surrender our lives to him, as we would say, Lord, help me to walk in step with your spirit today and every day. As we would walk humbly with our God, that we would strip away pride that says, I can do and say, God, I'm empty. I don't have what it takes, but I know you do. And as we do that, our roots go deeper. And then we, that we draw up from the Holy Spirit and we're invested into by the Holy Spirit the things that we need to produce the kind of fruit that he calls us to produce. See, the goal here is to be conformed into the image of Jesus. And in the the life of Jesus, we see that only good fruit is produced. That Jesus only produced good fruit, only and ever. As the Holy Spirit, as we walk in step with him, as the, the flesh and its desires were nailed to the cross with Jesus, 
And as the power of the Holy Spirit fills us and directs us and comforts us and walks with us, that we are being transformed and conformed to the image and the likeness of Jesus. And the result of that kind of life is fruit. Good, wholesome, abundant, blessed fruit. Let's be a people who walk with the Spirit. Let's be people who press in and say, Lord, I want to see fruit produced in my life. As we close today, I want to ask you this question, just something to think about. But as you evaluate, as you look at your own life, if you were to just be honest with yourself or if you're sitting with others and you feel the openness to share, talk about what are the fruit that are being produced in your life. Take stock, take an inventory and say, as I look at even that list, where do I fall in that? Again, the goal here is not condemnation, but it's to recognize Maybe I'm not at that place where I'm walking in step with the Spirit. And then invite Him. Surrender those things. Ask Him, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come and guide me and direct me? Holy Spirit, I want to walk in step with you. I want to walk in this new identity, not in a place of condemnation, not in a place of performance, but in the freedom that comes from knowing you. I'd love the chance to pray with you today. Father God, I thank you that we are called to a life of fruitfulness, not because of our own strength and our own might or our own power, but because of what you have secured for us in our lives and for us. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would guide and direct every step of our lives, that we would walk by the Spirit. And as we do, Lord, that the things of the world and the things of the flesh would lose their appeal. Lord, that the things that are produced in our life would bring blessing Lord, to those around us, Lord, that the fruit that you intend for us to produce, Lord, are not for our own consumption. They are to be enjoyed, Lord, by those around us. So help us, Lord, to identify those places where we need to walk more closely with you, where we need to walk in step with your spirit. I thank you that you are a God of love and compassion and grace, Lord, that you do not shame us, but you walk us and you invite us, Lord, into a deeper walk with you. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. Pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Uh, I want to encourage you, be a part of service. Join us next weekend as we celebrate Moms and Mother's Day. We look forward to seeing you then. God bless you.